Good afternoon, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Timothy Gordon here with my brother David Gordon and Catholic writer Stephen Harriet. What's up, boys? We're here to talk about the Second Amendment and the holy tradition that follows upon it. How are you? Good. Good to to be be had on this show. Big fan. And uh, half of my uh, fellow parishioners listen to you. So they'll probably find out that I've been on this show for sure and talk to me after Mass. (laughs) Practically famous then. Yes. It's a big no, deal. Yeah, I'm doing good. Just uh, enjoying some time off after work. Went to uh, do a little boxing with the boys from Church Militant today. So got in a little workout. And man, it's tiring to even go like two minutes. You see the professionals gassing out after like seven rounds, and you're like, what are you doing? You're like a wimp, practically. And then I'm like two minutes into it having a heart attack. So um, anyway, feeling good. Ready to discuss some ammunition people yeah well so self-defense and the status of it from the catholic perspective and from the legal perspective here today churches are being burned across the country of course statues have been getting desecrated no one seems to care that much about that but um today on the uh, or uh, i think it's monday actually on the front page of the post it was the splashy headline ban weapons of war and on their um, opinion section, Catholic Sorobomari uh, promoted the piece through a tweet in which he averred that military-grade weapons should have no place in our streets. Now, that's uh, isn't that strange timing, uh, Dave and Stephen, that Sorobomari, tra- traditional Catholic, would be uh, all but endorsing the idea of people like uh, those who defended their home in Kansas City, uh, the family is the McCloskeys, uh, that they should be getting locked up or, or maybe having their guns taken away? What, what the heck is with the timing? Well, let me, let me answer that. Um, the timing is bad. You know, I think a lot of people on, on the Catholic right maybe didn't grow up with guns, and that's a shame in its own right. But, you know, I've had my own run-ins with uh, Sora Bamari on, on Twitter. Obviously, he kind of poo-pooed my new book that's coming out with Tan on, ca- on no ca- basically no Catholic environmentalism. But I, I feel like we are forgetting as Catholic Americans and just Catholics in general that it's an indispensable part of man's duty to protect his family and to be able to preserve society from enemies foreign and domestic. Just like Adam was tasked with protecting not only himself and Eve in the Garden of Eden, but also the garden itself from the serpent. Because he was was appointed as God's image-bearing representative to the world. So he was supposed to bear out the image of God and, and procreate to have children who bear the image of God being soldiers who conquer for their king. That's part of creation. It's That's why creation itself glorifies God. So I think that there's been just a forgetfulness of this basic fact that man is tasked with being a soldier and with being a protector. And there's been a pacifism that's snuck into Catholicism, maybe especially in the ivory towers. Ivory towers, you know, you might get the random conservative in there, but they're around so many of their, like, liberal confreres that it really, you know, it, it's, it sneaks in there. No, Stephen, is there, I mean, uh, the McCloskeys say the rumor is that we are about to be indicted shortly. Is this more than pacifism? The right-wing and, I guess, center-right acceptance that if you do your God-given uh, duty and you exercise your God-given right to defend yourself and your, your domicile, that you're going to be indicted shortly? Are you going to have your guns taken away? Well, the timing, it's, been, it's interesting you mentioned the timing. The timing is odd because of the fact that uh, at this moment when people are having trying to renew the discussion of banning certain weapons, I have been hearing from numerous people I know who are completely not gun people, who don't own guns, have never shot them. They're reaching out, how do I get one? You know, Where do you go? Do you have a, do you have a, do you have a, a favorite range you go to? Um, people wanting to come to my property to shoot in the backyard, things like that. And I, I bet you've been hearing that too. Um, because people are seeing this sort of ratcheted up um, tension and, and all of these hatreds being fomented, and particularly threats against the church, right? Sean King's famous, now infamous tweet of 
uh, talking about taking down our stained glass windows by force. Um, that's pretty scary stuff. Also, the stuff about go out into the suburbs and and uh, beat some people uh, to teach them a lesson about, I don't know, gentrification or some sort of racism that they're not yet familiar with, but for which they're <laughs> going to be blamed. Um, mm -hmm. So people are very nervous, and they're actually talking about, for the first time, many of them, about about becoming familiar with guns, and, and they're actually warming to it. So yeah, it, it isn't a good time to start telling people, no, you don't have that. So the right to self-defense is very important, but there is no right to self-defense. I think you hinted at this a minute ago, David, uh, without a without proportional means uh, of force of using force right. for the defense of those under your care or of yourself. Right, it's something you hear a lot, right? Like a right. man who is kind of gun averse, or perhaps his wife is gun averse, and she's imposing this on the household as a de facto rule. Like my husband just cares for us with a bat. He he's going to protect us with a bat. Or the, you hear a lot of men like, well, I don't have a gun, but I don't really need one because I know Krav Maga or I have a baseball bat under my bed, so no one wants to mess with you. No, no, no. The crook breaking into your house in the middle of the night that has a forty-five caliber gun, he's not scared of your bat. You just brought a, a bat to a gunfight. Your, your, any other weapon is obsolete. You can't uninvent right. the gun. You can't pretend like right. the gun invention never happened. Other people yeah. are armed. If you're not armed with a gun, you're not defensed. I think that's right. And the, and the thing is that on the one hand, we're, ta we're talking about actual bans, right? Enforced bans of certain guns. Uh, it, it's pretty obvious that, that that's a threat. That would erase, essentially, the, the right to self-defense. Because there is no right to self-defense in a, in, a, in a world where, uh, where the average unjust aggressor is probably carrying uh, a fairly high capacity nine mil handgun, probably, or or possibly even a rifle, uh, maybe an AR, because those are so common. They really are. When you ban them, you're depriving people uh, who want to live in in within the law, obviously, of uh, of a proportionate means of using force. In a, in, a, in a confrontation. So, yeah, you're basically erasing the right to self-defense. The church adamantly and unequivocally doesn't allow for that. The church robustly insists upon a right to self-defense and a right of men to defend those under their care with lethal force, believe it or not. That's in the catechism, even. Um, so that's, that's one thing. But... Uh, apart from the sort of negative consideration of where are they going to ban these things, um, since they haven't been banned, and God willing they never will, um, it's also healthy and, and important right now for a lot of Catholics who maybe have never considered guns before to think about moving into that direction and saying, wait a minute, could I see myself walking around with a concealed weapon every day? Um, some of us do. Some of us are always carrying. ABC, yeah. always be carrying. A lot of Catholics right now are walking around with a self-enforced ban. Like, like yeah. Dave, Dave was wanting to talk about this. We we three got on the phone, and I said, you know, that I know I know Stephen, what your project's been there in Wisconsin for the last month or so, because we've been talking about it uh, semi-regularly, and that we were kind of like, how do how do we tie these um, themes together? And I I think the idea is self-evident. It's the themes surrounding and, and um, contemplated by the Second Amendment, which is um, always a defense of the First Amendment. And that's what's playing out in America right now. It's, it's really weird that it's academic for constitutionalists like myself, but it's real. It's not, it's not ivory tower, um, you know, academics. It's real. Like the Second Amendment is not some theory. It's good. It's holy. And a lot of people that have been um, living under this kind of self-enforced ban, I choose not to have a gun, have been approaching you, you and me, literally probably five people in the last month that have never toyed with guns before, have never trained themselves with guns and have never had much of an interest with guns yeah. are now coming to me and saying, what's, what's a good handgun to get? Why yeah. should I get it? And and I think Dave, this is uh, you, you have a bunch of really ready-made answers to that question. But I think the first answer needs to be, well, it's not a game. I mean, it's not a game. If you're going to get one, you're going to be serious. You need to train yourself up with it, and it is your duty to do. 
as the head of the household because the cops, and ask any cop, do your own research, they're not there. 911 does not exist so that you can call them with the reasonable expectation of, of them getting there if someone's, rescuing you know, you. Yeah, rescuing you from from a window break in or a door kick in, those things happen really fast. Those confrontations happen on average in, in under ten seconds. Well, right. you know the saying. There's a saying about it. The cops will be there in minutes when seconds count. So there's something you'll see on like gun boards, and this is a famous quote. Right. Yeah. By the way, that Precisely. is not that is not anti-cop. Every cop will tell you that. Right. No, and, no, no, and, I'm, and I'm by, saying and, it. And, and by they, the way, every cop, yeah, I mean, every, every cop, they would say, no, you don't call 911 so we can rescue you. That's not how it works. We do clean and up. Not only that, but, the, but all those cops in their private lives are big gun enthusiasts, and they've all bought guns for their daughters. <laughs> That's just the kind of guys a lot of them are. The great equalizer, because, yeah. again, try to defend yourself against... Uh, a male aggressor women without a gun. Now, I know there's this liberal myth of, like, the woman who's tying the ponytail in her hair with, you know, resolve in the commercial, and you see her hitting the, the, the heavy bag with horrible form or whatever and the little pink gloves, but no one's intimidated of you. That's not going to defend you against an actual big bad guy who is intent on committing a, a crime against your person. Your, your hands aren't going to defend you. Your bones are brittle compared to men's. Your, your musculature is weak compared to men's. You need the great equalizer, which is the gun. Now, Tim, what you said about the Second Amendment being there to protect the first is absolutely true. You can't have order without law. You know, you have that famous um, taunt that the executive branch says to the judicial branch. It's, you made your decree, now enforce it. Without someone to enforce law and order, then it can't stand. If without somebody to enforce, say, legislation or a judicial decree, it will not be enforced, which is what you're seeing in all of the American cities right now, is mobs running amok because you don't have the executive, i.e. the mayor, uh, ordering the police to shut the mobs down. So there's a great movie out there that everybody should see, great John Wayne film called The Man Who Shot Liberty Balance. And he tells, the John Wayne character tells Jimmy Stewart, who is a lawyer, well-educated from back east in the movie, who has these high-minded ideals of bringing um, law into this country, Wild West environment. He says, you hang up that shingle and you're going to have to defend it against the likes of Liberty Valance. So without a gun, you're impotent. Without being able to defend yourself against the mob, you're impotent. And you see it in like St. Louis. What happened with the couple in St. Louis? The mob came to their door. What deterred the mob? Was it the mealy mouth appeaser governor or mayor um, of St. Louis, you know, making uh, concession after concession after concession? Or was it two people brandishing their firearms? Brandishing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. I, I, and, and that was another thing, by the way. There were a lot of uh, gun nerds. Uh, you'll become familiar with them, dear viewers, when you become a gun person. Uh, gun nerds who will be like, uh, they, they saw those pictures of the McCloskeys and just went on and on and on about their poor form and about how they didn't have good trigger or muzzle <laughs> discipline. Yeah, yeah, And that was true. I agree with them. And we should actually talk about that a little. But at the same time, I was like, no, but in principle, what's happening, happening here is beautiful. It is law-abiding citizens uh, uh, um, using a visual deterrent of, look, we have the ability to use deadly force just like you do, so back away from our persons and our property. And it was right. beautiful. I have this, uh, you know, I've been making reference to it since uh, the mob had my job on a silver platter. This yeah. is Colonel Sherburn, uh, Twain's own uh, hand, I believe, made this drawing. But except, yeah, so it's a splashy speech, you know, when he comes out onto the balcony in that uh, great moment in chapter 22 of Huckleberry Finn and you know basically through through language because the pen in some sense is mightier than the sword takes down the the mob a pe uh, peg or two but except he has a shotgun in hand so what we're talking about here today let, let's be real clear this video um, 
can can afford to be clear. We can afford to be really, really direct because this is 100% moral and 100% legal. We're not talking about um, gun rights in some other regime. So where it's less clear is if we're just talking about defending property or something like that that's famously, famously um, diverse jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And so we're not talking about just defending statues. We're talking about defending one's own home. And, and you know, Steve and Dave both wanted to do this video because so many Catholic men, I, I, I'm very sad to say, to this point have not equipped themselves with the guns or the knowledge or the safety to defend their own homes, uh, you know, responsibly. But also because the, the unwritten, the insinuated note here is that most diocesan parishes are also domiciles. They're, they're domiciles for the priests, the, the rectories. And so we're not just talking about um, defending, like, properties or statues or whatever, or, or even the Holy Eucharist. We're talking about defending the lives of priests. And to, to use your Second Amendment right, which is a duty, um, you do not have to have substantial certainty that you or another human being that's innocent will be killed. It's the threat of serious bodily harm. And this is a real, suddenly a very realistic threat, right? Reasonable apprehension. Reasonable, apprehend bleh, reasonable apprehension of death or great bodily harm, right? Yeah. So what, I mean, Dave, you have, I know you came equipped with just a nice list of kind of, they might sound rudimentary or, or really fundamental to those in our audience who are, are gun fans, like the three of us, but um, they, they might be quite important. They might be quite winsome for those uh, people who are not yet gun fans that are on the fence, people that I said five in the last uh, weeks have come to me and, and you guys as well with questions about not only the practic practicability, but the morality, the legality of gun ownership. And I say it's a really, I mean, it runs hand in hand with your duty as the protector of your household because of all these factors we've heretofore named, namely that cops are not there to defend you and, and ask anyone. They they will reaffirm what we're saying. They're there to do cleanup. So, Dave, that, run us through it. What are some real good reasons for having guns from a legal, moral, practical perspective? Sure. Just on your last point, let me add that torts case, Tim, because you went to law school and you probably read this in your torts class. So I hear to no end, and this is just a side note, but I always hear one of the main reasons advanced for men not going out and doing their duty of arming themselves to protect themselves. They say, well, I pay taxes to the police, so therefore they can protect me. The police, as a matter of law, as a matter of law, do not have a duty to protect you individually. So there is a case that we or any attorneys will read in their yeah. torts class, you know, first year class, where I believe it was a woman. Now, I'm just recalling this from law school, but I believe it is a woman calling to report a crime um, or an attempt against her person. It was either death or great bodily harm that was sure to ensue. So she calls the police. But in the city that she lives in at that time, there are riots happening. So the police do not have adequate manpower to go and protect this woman. And she becomes the victim of a crime. And she either dies or is greatly injured. And either she or her estate goes on to sue the police department for not responding to the call, um, claiming that they had a duty to protect her. And the court found, and this is good law in America to this day, this is the precedent, the court found that police have no duty to protect you as an individual, their duty is to society. So, no, you can't rely on the police for you. As you've seen, what happens if some moron, like the, the grown-up juveniles, come in and set up a chop zone or a police-free zone in your city? You have to be able to defend yourself because the cops couldn't even get in to defend well, you. And, and moreover, uh, you're going to get to your list in a second, but moreover, what really made me mad the tweets that led to my unjust uh, termination <laughs> on June 3rd. The famous June 3rd that, incident. 
<laughs> it was that the cops were standing down. Stephen, you and I have talked about this a couple times. They're being ordered to stand down by their superiors. So you yes. know, and Dave's bringing so, up the tort law case. You can't go sue them then. They can stand down at any time for any reason. And even if they're not attempting to stand down or they're not being ordered to stand down, yeah. a 10, 12, 18, 25-minute response time is completely reasonable. They might not be in your end of town. So a yeah, style break-in takes seconds. You're right, and and um, so just for some reference, and this is, I think, I, I I would I would really bet that this is pretty universal. But in, in in every major city and most smaller cities as well throughout the country right now, I'm I'm near Madison, Wisconsin, and um, there were riots here, Black Lives Matter riots, and. Dozens of businesses were destroyed and looted permanently, never to reopen again. Lives ruined. Lives ruined. People, it's not, un, uh, it's far from unheard of for people to commit suicide after suffering, suffering the destruction of a business they put their whole life into. Um, so this is grave stuff. So the cops stood down and soon afterward, um, uh, the chief of police went on TV and said, to everyone in the area, Madison, Wisconsin, is not a safe place to go to after 4 p.m. And so, in other words, in, in other words, he didn't even direct his statement to the aggressors. He addressed it to us. You know, this belongs to them now. Don't go into town. We won't defend you from them. Um, that and, and it's all because of backroom deals between the mayor and other political uh, office politics people and the generals behind the in the community organizers behind these rioters. But you know that that when that happens and when it is met with the approval of all of the most powerful people in the corporate media, uh, it's it's pretty seriously frightening. Mm -hmm. And and that's why we why I've been hearing like we've been hearing from all these people. I'm interested in buying a gun. I went to my range uh, and slash gun shop, and there were people there who had obviously never touched a gun before. They had no idea what they were doing. Um, and my range actually said, "We are changing our hours and offering tons more training because we don't want to sell these guns to these people that have no idea what they're doing." Which is fair, I think. Yeah. Yeah. By the way. Don't just buy a gun and shove it in your pocket and walk home. You need the training. Do do you have to get the training? But anyway, that's a side note. It doesn't have to be a formalized training, though. There's also, I mean, if you have the means, by all means, go do it. But I don't want people, and I know this wasn't your point, Stephen, at all. I don't want people to be intimidated to buy a gun. Like I had a friend, and even in law school, he's like, "Wait, don't you need a permit to buy a gun?" I was like, "No, it's America. You just go buy a gun." But like yeah, you. No. You can go on YouTube and read the basic rules of gun yes. handling safety or read, read it on YouTube, watch it on YouTube. There's a gajillion videos of, you know, firearms experts who are going to give you the best training probably that you're, you're ever going to hear Phenomenal. for free. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, these guys, oh, you'll, you'll yeah. see them firing off like 20 rounds in a second with an old wheel gun. Some of these guys are ridiculous. Yeah. With well, yeah, and also, yeah, like you said, I agree with you about the formal thing. You you can buy a gun, take it home, if and it really helps if you have a buddy. You know, like I could I could basically train you up in basic gun safety in five minutes. Um, you know, so and talk to me, talk to talk to your buddies who have guns. Also, any gun you buy, any particular make and model. Go, type it in on YouTube, and they will show you where all of the buttons are, where all where the slide is, how you wrap yep. the slide on that particular gun, how to really w hold the gun most comfortably for your hand. When I bought my concealable shield, yeah, yeah, it's like okay, I want to see because I'm I'm racking the slide differently than I rack my Beretta. Um, yeah. So it's really, really important. I mean, and it's, it's doing a video like this is why we took a lengthy call before doing this. One wants to be careful. One wants to say, here's what we're saying. And in, in, with this kind of video, here's also what we're not saying. What we're not saying, what we're not venturing into with this video, nor will we be, are the gray areas on what can be defended, right? We are not talking about defending property. We are, we are talking about defending your life or the life of others from from um, substantial certainty of murder or something less from the substantial certainty of 
serious bodily harm, grave bodily harm in California's jurisdiction is what it's called. So we're not talking about that that gray area of like, man, I want to defend the Columbus statue. Okay, don't don't bring your gun out to defend the Columbus statue in the town square. There's there are alternate means to do that. You need a human chain. You need some big tough guys that are that are big and tough uh, physically, but but no guns. Leave your guns there. We're talking about defending your domicile, not your car. Uh, whole whole other issue, much grayer issue. We're talking about defending your domicile, or in the case, uh, and this will be, uh, I guess, the final point Stephen's going to get to. In the case of most diocesan parishes. The domicile of the priest, sometimes the pastor has his own house, but the priest there, they're, they're living there. And when, um, so like Dave, Dave knows, when I was in sixth grade, he was at Costco with my mom and me and my older brother were home at 1030 a.m. in the morning in the safest city in America, uh, Plano, Texas at that point. It was literally rated the safest city of America that year. And uh, a guy broke into our house. Walmart. Illegal immigrant. Illegal, Illegal immigrant. immigrant. You know, broke into our house while our older brother and and myself were home. We had to flee to the next house. So this. Dude, is you know what pissed me off the most about that, Tim? Sorry. <laughs> I just, it wasn't your and Greg's safety that bothered me so much that he'd come into my house and endangered my brothers. Oh, I that, know. That mf or broke my Nintendo. I was like... <laughs> What are you doing? You don't do that to another man's Nintendo. He didn't even have the courtesy to unscrew it from the wall. He was in such a rush. He just ripped it out and, like, stripped the core. It was a Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. But it, you see the wanton disregard that these, <laughs> these thugs have for, for one's 16-bit uh, video game system. I mean, yeah, Dave got home. He was very worried about about Greg and I, and it was uh, Greg and me. And uh, yeah, and then you saw he'd stacked up our stuff, and it's like, okay, well, that's not that's not the big issue. The big issue was he had a crowbar. I don't think he did have a gun, but you don't. My point in bringing it up, guys, was you don't know when someone's advancing on you, right? That is a grave threat of serious bodily harm or worse. And if they're just trying to come and take your cell phone from you, okay, you're, it doesn't get categorized by the law or morality as I'm defending my phone if I exercise my Second Amendment right. Because I, I don't know, he might be coming to stab me, he might, might be coming to do me real bodily harm. So we're not talking about property when you're certain, you know, it's basically when you catch a mama bear, uh, um, you're in between a mama bear and her cubs, Right. She, she's going to come after you like you're, you're trying to harm the Cubs. So when you're away from your car, your house, do not, you know, we're not talking about a Second Amendment right there. We are talking about defending a human being who is innocent, yourself or others, from serious bodily harm when, when someone's advancing on them. And this is, this is a wholly good legal thing. And, and men, particularly laymen, need to get savvy. Yeah. Catholic men. It's your duty. Christian men and every man, non-Christian men, it's something that God gives to man. It's in the natural law. It's part of the intelligible universe. We, not women, we have the duty to protect ourselves, our families, and society at large from, from bad guys, from enemies, foreign and domestic. And so in order to do one's job properly, one needs the proper tools. In a post-gun world, in a post-black gunpowder world, the proper tool for self-defense is yep. a gun. You right. can't step yep. back in time. You don't get to say, you know, um, I'm only going to brandish a sword or a bat. I always hear about the bat. under. My husband has a bat under his bed. Well, no one cares about it. No one cares about it at all. You have to have the right tool for the job. Otherwise, it's like trying to work on your car. It's really easy to get parts of you know, off of your car. It's famously easy to yeah. get parts off of your car. It's hard yeah. to get them back on unless you have the right tools. You can't do the job unless you have the right tools. Moreover, we have a, a, a duty not just to our families and ourselves, which we do have that duty, and it's a sacred duty. It's part and parcel of what it means to be a man. We also have a duty to protect country from tyranny, and from, from foreign enemies. 
The Second Amendment. Now, I hear liberals all the time say, what do you need an AR-15 for? Uh, you don't need that kind of gun. You don't need an automatic or semi-automatic weapon to shoot a deer. Well, the Second Amendment's not for hunting. We aren't given the right to keep and bear arms so we can hunt deer. Is that really what you think? That's the worst straw man of all time. The reason that the founding fathers thought the Second Amendment was so important, and it's what Tim said, the Second Amendment protects all the other amendments, and it protects our natural rights. So what Thomas Jefferson says is the strongest reason for the people to retain the right to keep and bear arms is as a last resort to protect themselves against tyranny in government. So now you can just scoff when you hear the next liberal say you don't need an AR-15 to shoot a deer. It's like it's not a deer shooting rifle. Two two three is not a good round for shooting deer. You don't need that to range. shoot a deer. It, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the 5.56, five, uh, the military spec, yeah, it is. Um, you, you have an AR-15 to shoot the agents of a tyrant and to protect your rights. And by the way, it doesn't just go for our own government if it grows into, um, you know, grows out of control, grows tyrannical. It, we have an autocrat in office, although that is un unanimously endorsed by the founding fathers as the purpose for the Second Amendment. They say... Um, you should never trust a government that doesn't trust you to own a gun. They say a good government must be in fear of its citizens. That's the yeah, founding fathers. One thing Aquinas pushes. So Aquinas is the first thinker in human history to endorse tyrannicide. And then later he sort of rethought it, even though he always supported revolution and regime change when it was just. He adds basically the, the just uh, war theories, fourth prong, like it can't just be one guy that's mad at a tyrannical king. You have to, where, where you know you're on the firmest ground in defending a human being when you're defending yourself or your neighbor or, you know, that could include your, 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 you know, your neighborhood priest who's in direct bodily threat. Sure. Because um, there's always abstraction when it's like, when we when we go to like, protecting against tyranny of one, you know, a, a tyrant or a tyranny of a few, an oligarchy or tyranny of the many, a democracy, then you get into, okay, well, we have to, we have to apply that fourth prong of just war theory. Everything you're saying is 100% true, but you know there's no abstraction, there's nothing academic. When you're at home, you're in your house, some guy breaks into your house while you're there, I know wherever I speak, this has happened, I just didn't have a gun because I was in sixth grade. Like, and, wow. <laughs> um, and you know you're being advanced on. You don't know why you're being advanced on. It might be property, but you're not responsible for knowing that. You know you're in a, um, a mortal fear of death. Yeah. So, so anyway, my point in, in saying that right, Tim, wasn't we don't have the time in this episode to go into the means that are advanced by the founding fathers for what to do to resist like a tyrant. I think, just as an aside, it was more of forming a militia with the sponsorship of the state government and that would be more organized and efficacious, almost as a source, sort of armed nullification. But that's neither here nor, nor there for, obviously, you know, it's intellectual between us. People have no um, more context for it because after the Civil War, the, the right. militias got rolled into right. the... Coast Guard or whatever it was. So so people are like, oh, isn't this anachronistic? And then you go down that whole thing. And it's like, no, it's so, not anachronistic. Here, yeah, here's the thing is, uh, like, you know, out of concern for my community with all of this happening, I've been thinking we need to be talking with each other, brothers. You know, talking to my friends. Do you guys own guns? How far do you live from here? Let's keep in touch. You know, just basic. And then I thought to myself, oh, this is a militia. Uh, we're, we're all we're all fat and dumpy, but it it is is basically a militia. Uh, although I did invite them, I said, "Hey, let look, guys. Here's the army's here's the army's fitness standards. Let's try and reach these by October." But and I do recommend trying that. Although I shouldn't say that because I haven't even started yet. But <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'm talking to these guys, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is kind of like a militia." So. Um, but when I was talking, sort of publicly talking about defending the churches and possibly having weapons to defend churches, uh, one person's reaction was right away. He said, no, don't say anything about this publicly. That is that is just going to provoke Antifa or Black Lives Matter or whoever. <laughs> um, don't do that. 
What's much better is just to have organized people who are trained and know what they're doing, and, and we should do that as a last resort. I'm sorry, that was a woman that said that, right? That had to have been. It wasn't a man that said that. It couldn't. It's like saying you don't tell a bully that you've been training in boxing because that might provoke him. No, it's going to shut him off and scare him. Right. That's the point of the deterrent. But so, but the the thing is, and actually, I mentioned I was talking about it with my wife, and my wife said, "Yeah, that's a great idea. I want you to make make sure and form a militia after our church is down." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the funny thing is that that really is the like idea of don't don't show too much spirit in fighting back against the bully, because that will just make them matter. That's that is just how cowards think. And uh, like like your your wife was mocking that like. No, that's 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 just wrong. It's the irrational unreason that follows from blind fear, and that tells me a guy hasn't been in a fight, he hasn't fought back ever, he probably has been bullied an enormous amount. It's what the bully wants you to think. Right. It's not what the bully actually thinks. When you hit him in the mouth, he is going to someone else. It's the club effect. The the, the you know the car thief does not go after a car that has remember the '90s club around right. the steering wheel. Even if you put it on there in a like reasonably half-assed way, the way I always would, they're like, I'll just go to the next one that doesn't have it, man. That's what bullies think. Yeah, yeah. it's famously wrong. He beat me to the point. I was like bursting to say it. But everybody knows basic bully psychology is you pick on the weak and the defenseless. If you hit a bully back, even if you get your, your ass kicked, you get creamed, he's not going after you again because they like easy targets. Notice yeah. how these, these riots, they're not coming to the country where you have every person within like a um, 50 square mile radius that has like at least 12 guns and like a large shotgun. You know, that, that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. That's why the Japanese didn't invade in World War II, by the way. It is yeah. partly because they understood the American populace was well armed. So they, there were plans drawn up for the Japanese to come into the American mainland. And they didn't want to touch it because we have a well-armed populace. The yeah. best defense is to project yourself as a strong force to be reckoned with. Yeah, which is intimidating. I mean, if you've never done anything like that, it can be, I can understand hesitating. But one thing that's also helpful to keep in mind when it comes to gun ownership and, and, uh, and getting into the gun world is that if you go to any range, guaranteed, uh, you're going to meet great people, and they are obsessed with safety, by the way, and responsibility. Um, and if you start carrying, if you get your concealed carry license and start carrying, it's ennobling. It's good for you. You immediately carry yourself differently. You don't drink, for one thing. Uh, you know, you're not going to be a drunk if you're carrying all the time. Uh, you're not going to, you know, you're going to have to be sober and aware and careful you you keep in mind I'm I'm carrying a deadly weapon on my person. There's something a little bit there's something good about that. It's almost it reminds me a little bit of uh, of what happens to you psychologically when you become a father or when you marry. Uh, there's something a little additional that you're not just you anymore. You're you w in the context of responsibility. Plus your little friend who yeah. sits at your side yeah well let me let me just finish up and and then i'm going to kind of punt to you guys because i know that was your your real wheelhouse steven especially tim you have a lot that you have to say about you know this idea of defending churches as domiciles i just want to impress on every man out there because i know that there are mental reservations because you don't just go from being like <clears throat> kind of strongly anti-gun or even like middle you know, about, you're undecided about guns. I doubt one podcast is going to change your mind. So you just know that defense is your duty, and hopefully this will spur you. Because men need to rise to answer the call of duty. It's something that's built into us. So knowing intellectually, I have this duty to protect, and I need a tool to fulfill my duty. And the gun is that tool in the modern era. You have to call that to mind. And I see... Once the man gets this and he understands, okay, I get it. I've had personal experience where I've gone through this with friends and acquaintances, but then there's this kind of petticoat veto that happens at the house where the wife maybe grew up with a father who didn't own a gun, who wasn't doing his duty to protect 
his wife and daughter. And she is strongly anti-gun. She's worried, you know, maybe the kids are going to get the guns. And so essentially there is a veto being placed on the household's acquisition of a firearm and the husband's fulfillment of his duty. So obviously this is disordered. For one, because the man is the head of the household, he shouldn't be getting vetoed by his wife. So that's just an aside. But so a subordinate shouldn't be telling her head what he's going to use his household money to, to buy. Second of all, especially, most especially, if that item that he needs to buy is part and parcel, part and parcel or integral to his duty as a father. It's like the husband telling his wife she can't use money to buy the kids school books, um, except he actually has the authority in the first place to say something like that, even though it's disordered. It, the man has to be able to arm himself. So husbands, do not succumb to a petticoat veto of your duty to arm yourself. You can assuage your wife's fears and say, I'm going to get this gun, but I understand you're worried about gun safety, so I will make sure I buy a safe and keep it locked away and stored properly. And you have a duty to do that anyway. It's wrong and errant and sinful to leave a gun where a child could amble up and get it. It's not enough care for your child. So you need to invest in like the safety um, a safety box or a safe for your gun. And you also need to learn, as we've already mentioned, as Stephen was so kind as to say, you need to learn basic gun handling safety. But then you need to insist that this is what you need to accomplish your duty to your family and to society. Husbands, arm yourselves. Single men, arm yourselves. Even if you say, I don't have a family, you still have a duty as an American citizen to have a gun. And I think we've seen that play out lately. The, the executives and mayors are not doing their duty to protect you. They're not having the police protect you against mobs. So you have a duty sometimes to others and yourself, but to others to step in, in front of maybe a defenseless citizen and make sure that they are not killed or curb stomped by these vicious um, Jacobins in the mob. Yeah, a quick point of clarification it, I would say when you become a husband, then there is a sacramental duty plus to defend yourself. It's not just about patriotism at that point. It really is applying the facts to the law here because of the, the, the anachronisms that you dispelled, Dave and, and Stephen. You need, you need a, a modern handgun, you know, nothing LARPy, not a saber, not a rifle, not, not the, the non-working gun with just a bayonet. You need a modern pistol or a shotgun or a rifle at the very least that that functions on you know the modern uh, uh technology to defend your household it's a duty dave said earlier and i wanted to make the distinction it's also a right but it's a duty for the man now it's a it remains a right for women for women who are married they they should they should go get their own guns too. I know lots of girls that are big gun enthusiasts or married women that are big gun enthusiasts and shoot with their husbands. Awesome. Or single women, especially if you're living alone, particularly in one of the American cities, some of the most dangerous cities in the world. Uh, please do exercise your right. But um, but it's a duty for for men, particularly householders, and and arguably men of all sorts. I mean, it's so much a duty that. <laughs> I had a, a friend in law school uh, who, who my wife became friends with. It was a girl, and I became friends with her husband. The girl's name was, ironically, Hillary. And we would we'd go over to each other's houses for dinner and hang out as a foursome or whatever. And when Hillary found out that I had a gun, she said, Tim, man, I don't feel safe here now. And I was like, hey, like, Hill, like, when I come over to your house, now that I know you don't have one, I don't feel safe right. because, I mean, you're safe at my place, man. I got you covered. I will defend myself and other innocent people, including you, from serious bodily harm or, or death. Uh, you can't say the same thing for me. And that, that's when I went through my whole policeman spiel. But I, I, I don't know where that leaves you, yeah, Dave. It's, it's, it's a mental, it is a mental leap. I like that you mentioned uh, earlier David, that you know, one podcast isn't going to completely change someone's worldview. I've definitely been in the position. Um, I remember a friend of mine saying, "I'm thinking about getting a gun," 
and my instant reaction a few years, because I didn't grow up with guns in the house. I didn't. Um, a friend of mine in college said he's thinking about getting a gun. He lived in a kind of a rough neighborhood. It made him nervous. And my instant reaction was, what a stupid idea. Don't get a gun. What are you thinking? Those are dangerous. You know? And, you know, I, I've, I've been there. Um, but that's what I'm, I'm kind of enjoying seeing is the number of people who I think probably started there, were there even just a few weeks ago, uh, now saying, hmm, how do I get one? <laughs> you know, have, have we seen it. Much. Yeah. I, what more do you need to see? Right. You're seeing mobs descending, not just on, you know, the middle of cities and the urban slums, but on gated neighborhoods. And right. they're going and driving cars packed with fuel into parishes with the intent of murdering the people inside, with burning down the parishes. What more do you possibly need to see? And that's not even just taking into consideration random run-of-the-mill like murderers that might break into your house at night. It used to be a column in Guns In and Ammo magazine of stories of homeowners who saved their own lives or the lives of others because they were packing heat. Don't be afraid to get a gun. Be afraid that you don't have a gun. If I didn't have a gun in my house right now, and I live in Detroit, so, but if I didn't have a gun in my house right now, I'd be very afraid, partly because of my location, but also just because. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the common sense. Look, that's the concomitant of everything we're saying. Like if, you know, check your top line, check your bottom line, it's like an algebra problem. If everything we're saying adds up, all these premises, then one simply ought to be insecure. Let's let's call it that way. Maybe maybe not paranoid, afraid, but insecure in his bodily integrity. And more important than you, men, I'm talking about your wives and your kids, your your wives and your kids' bodily integrity. If you don't have a gun in the house, uh, particularly with the elegant structure, the organized, deliberated, uh, deliberated structure of some of these movements that are saying let's go into the suburbs we're not being effective in the inner city we want to go get people in the suburbs we want to go get these innocent parish priests right which the the florida church burning was an attack on the people that were in the church at the time this is um you know attempted murder when we're talking about attacks on church we're not taught this is this video is not about statues or even sacred uh, sacramentals. We're talking about protecting yourself and the people in your community that you you care about. Other other Catholic uh, men, you know, maybe maybe who the men who don't listen to this video. If if we're talking about a lot of priests are loath to get a gun, and uh, Stephen, you and I were talking a lot about this. So they might not go do it, even if they see this video and they're yeah. like, well, I don't know. I feel like it's a contradiction in terms or something. It's not. But I, yeah. I've gotten that a lot from priests that I've been DMing with on Twitter. Okay, I mean, I, I disagree. It's strongly. You should you should have a gun. You should have a way of protecting you, your, your you know, the other people yeah. at the rectory. But if not, I don't know. What, what, what do you have to say about rectories as domiciles, Stephen? Well, a big thing here, just as a little introductory point, um, a, a lot of priests will say, uh, as a priest said to me today, my weapon of choice is the rosary. Yeah. And um, I've heard that mostly from women. But they'll say, uh, like at one point I was looking at a, a particularly egregious case of violence against Catholic uh, against Catholics, and I, and I said, I, I commented somewhere online, I cannot believe the number of people who don't carry weapons. Like, what are they thinking? Going out there face-to-face -face with very violent people who have expressed uh, really violent intentions, and they're not armed? What is this? Uh, and uh, somebody said, well, they just, they're going to pray the rosary. And I said, yeah, prayer isn't the right tool for the job mm -mm. in this case. And a woman answered, prayer is always the right tool for the job. Yeah, it's more of and that. It's virtue it, signaling. You well, can always I, say that, and you know some dingbat out there is going to be like, amen, amen to that. Prayer right, is, yes, actually, prayer is always good. No one's saying that prayer is not always good, but it's the wrong response sometimes. Well, well it's honestly, actually, the Baltimore Catechism teaches it. You don't 
ask for extraordinary things by extraordinary means like prayer when you can do something through ordinary means to achieve it. So therefore, like, if, if you need money, you don't pray, God, may I have a million dollars? You go get a job. That's the Baltimore Catechism. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and, and here's the, the, the thing, though, that I, I really want to, what I've been pondering is that it occurred to me that I shouldn't have said prayer isn't the right tool for the job. I should have said prayer isn't a tool. You're not praising and speaking on behalf of prayer and doing it a favor by trying to shove it into this, uh, into this situation. Prayer is not a tool. It denigrates it. It lowers it to try to use it as one. You don't use prayer or rosaries to get a violent person not to hurt yourself. That's not what prayer is for. And it's an example of putting God to the test at, at the very moment when he may very well be trying to put you to the test. Beautiful. And, and um, so, yes, no, uh, guns are tools. Prayer is not. Uh, it doesn't speak well of prayer to say, screw guns, I will use prayer. No, you don't use prayer. That's not, that's, 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 that's impious to suggest. So that's one thing. But the other thing is, yeah, I, I do worry about priests. Um, and, and, and it's a really good point that, that, that their rectories are domiciles, that they adjoin most churches. And they are there a lot. Uh, it would be a really cool thing if you could reach out to your pastor and at least suggest, hey, Father, do you have a rifle? I'd be willing to buy one for you as yeah. a donation. I think that would be a great thing. for a pre And I'll train you up. Here's, or the other thing you can do is if priests are not too comfortable with guns or if you live in a Catholic community that's not comfortable with guns, God forbid, maybe there's a sign on the door of your church, you know, no guns allowed in these premises, which is dangerous by the way. They shouldn't have that sign. It's dangerous because you're right. telling everyone we can be bullied. Right. We can be shot at. Um, but yeah, if, if you're in that kind of an environment, you might even go to your pastor kind of formally rather than, you know, make him uncomfortable with a lot of like guns, 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 good. You could even go to him and say, hey, look, I've, I have personally taken the responsibility of going to a range, getting trained up, buying a good set of guns and all of this stuff. So I'm familiar with the gun community in the area. Here's my friend Gary. He's a firearms instructor. Here's my friend Gretchen. She specializes in training up Christian communities uh, to have a security detail. Would you be interested in that? I'd help pay for it. Uh, a lot of parish priests might be comfortable hearing that. You know, uh, that's a lot less. That's not like shoving anything down their throat. Even if they were starting off from a fairly, you know, heck, you could even say we can even get uniforms for our security detail. So get them, you know, some badges. A lot of companies yeah. do that with their security. It sounds a lot more responsible than just being like, guns are cool, you should, you should, I mean, it, it sounds more responsible than it is a, a responsible approach to a topic that is probably wholly new to a lot of these priests. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a lot of, yeah, especially younger priests, uh, frankly, I think a lot of younger priests are really, really unfamiliar uh, with this stuff. They're fresh out of seminary and they're just saying, all I know is sister so-and-so in seminary told me, Something from Gandhi, which is not even Christian. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Just sunk in. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's and, and it's also probably uh, not just a joke in, in many of these young seminarians' cases. So, yeah, prayers not a tool. Uh, a gun is a tool, and so are the people that often say that prayer is a tool. <laughs> they too are tools, <laughs> but I mean. Uh, yeah, it's true. I'm so sick of the, uh, I mean, prayer can also be like a secondary thing. It's yeah. The primary means of responding to every situation in life is not necessarily prayer. It's, it's not a one size fits all thing. We have, and we talk about this lots on rules for retrogrades, prudence and prudence is that virtue that is not popular because it's the prime intellectual virtue Aristotle talks about. It's the virtue that tells you when to select from virtue A, your courage, or virtue B, your winsomeness or your amicability. Like, do I, you know, these guys are kind of picking on my buddy at the bar, but he kind of brought it on himself, so I'm going to be amicable now. That selection virtue is prudence. The selection virtue when you're like, my friend did nothing. These guys are really going to rough him up. I got to be tough. I got to use my courage and my physical toughness. Those are different virtues. Well, the over virtue 
is prudence. And it's always unpopular because it's not reductive. It's not simplistic. It's not um, Kantian categorical imperative that, you know, puritanical purity spirals tend to favor on the interwebs, is it? No. That, I do. I want to get out in front of it because I don't want to be accused of diminishing the efficacy of prayer, which is obviously not what any of us would do. And especially, you know, I, I heard what Stephen was saying, and that's absolutely not where you were taking it. I don't want somebody to have, have mixed anything up. I'm saying, that, and it's, it goes back to the old adage, God helps those who help themselves. He gave you a body. He didn't give you just a soul. So when you have to do something corporal, then you use your body to achieve it. Now, if you want the extra help and you want, you know, there's, there's the different types of prayer. There is a prayer of petition to God. So God please allow me to flourish and succeed in my job so I can afford a house for my family. Then you're going to get the graces, possibly, to discharge your duties with dispatch. And that's a good thing. There's no atheists in foxholes. So I imagine if I were under siege by some bad guy in my house, I would be praying as well as brandishing the weapon. But the one thing, you know, God's not going to send a lightning bolt um, to, to smite somebody who's bra- breaking into your house in, uh, what, 999, like, times out of a thousand, or way to a, a, a power of 10 to the hundredth degree or whatever. That's just not going to happen. Particularly so when the agent has abnegated a duty. That's right. not how he works. Right. When, uh, I mean, uh, particularly when God is not going to get you off the hook you know, a la Bart Simpson, when you pray for a snowstorm because you just straight up refuse to study. Right. He'll get you off the hook sometimes when you studied all night, you studied all day, you need to pass the test, and even that 20-hour study day you pulled, maybe he knows wasn't going to be enough. And, you know, it's it's not a guarantee anyway. But that's when he tends to add. That's how providence seems to work. There's no precise science to it. But he's not going to get you off the hook for, like you say, a, a kind of, um, uh, I don't know, abjuring of your duty, your bodily duty to defend your wife and kids. It's just, it's yeah, a- it's, it, that's actually really frightening stuff. So I, I'm, I, 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 what, what I find almost in, uh, really frightening, it makes me cross myself. Speaking of prayer, because I find it so insidious, is uh, all of these responses I've heard um, because I, I made a, a show uh, a, 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 to a deterrent show uh, of the fact that I care that I have weapons and a buddy of mine and I uh, took a picture at our church to let people know just generally hey look the church isn't defenseless you can't bully the church this is unacceptable you know you're just having a good time and all the viral videos uh, I've noticed that these people all they beat up on is older men unarmed mm-hmm. women or mute dumb statues right defenseless people and they only do those things by the way i really swear I, I i think they only do those things when their generals inform them it's okay you can go now we did a backroom deal with the mayor and they're going to call the cops off so these people are just having a fun time being yeah. malevolent and it's and like in Lebowski. uh it's okay donnie these men are cowards <laughs> when yeah. they get when a man stands up to them they're going to back down Oh, man, right. not so, an infirm, aged, you know, old man. God right. bless their and, souls. Right. And, but from the perspective of the rioter or the cruel, uh, violent type, uh, what this is is just a, a joyride. It's fun. And um, they need to see visual representations. They need to see, they need to, we need to spread the narrative that actually if you come to Catholic churches to abuse our women and children and the elders, we might just ruin your day um, justly um, in defense. And that's, uh, you know, it's the opposite of fun. And and really, honestly, I think that a lot of the time, like this is part of the reason I was displeased with my local sheriff's department in Madison. Uh, I thought, you know what, all, all you would have to do is have your men in uniform walk around the public parts of town that these riots are happening in. And... Uh, carrying rifles. I'm not saying you have to hurt anyone. Just if you were to have that visual show, that would be a heck of a deterrent, officers. 
and they wouldn't do it. I think it's really important that people out there know not only is it your right and it's add extra to what you should be doing day to day, but it's actually your duty as a man to defend yourself, other innocents in your um, subsidiary way, your your day to day quotidian life. And this includes other other domiciles near you or in, uh, you know, along the way. So I, I'm I'm I feel really good about this video, and I hope people out there, particularly the sort that Dave and Stephen were talking about at the the beginning, the, the newbies. I hope they feel good about it too, because we're we're, we're trying to be helpful, uh, we're trying to be informational, and we're trying to give you a little uh, no pun intended shot in the arm, a <laughs> different yeah. kind of shot. <laughs> <laughs> And and I hope I hope has done it. Does any any uh, closing thoughts? I wanted to ask Stephen. So if you could just break it down for our audience in a few you know snippets, what can you do to particularly to men because it's our duty. Um, obviously, my wife is trained in how to use a gun in case I'm not there or I'm incapacitated in in some way. Then you know she can be backup, just like in the old westerns, you know. You have the husband standing up to the Indians first, but then if he gets uh, shot with arrows, then the wife has to defend the homestead. But so primarily to men, but also for those women who want to act in this secondary backup capacity to their husbands, because obviously they're not they're not protectors. You know, the Bible makes that abundantly clear. It, it mocks the idea of women soldiers uh, in a couple places. But what can you tell the men? about what they should do, like actual steps they can take tomorrow and maybe a step or two down the road. What can they do in the next week or month to get ready to protect themselves, their families, societies, and especially their parishes? I would say one thing is that when you are pursuing a new virtue or a new practice that you are unfamiliar with, it's great to take the uh, sort of classical advice of surround yourself with men who are your equal or better. So after mass, if you don't already know gun owners, well, first of all, if you know gun owners, go and talk to them. Uh, people with a lot of experience, uh, military vets are a great resource. Uh, they're usually very, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty um, uh, familiar with uh, gun ownership and, and responsible gun handling. Uh, but also after mass, look around and find guys who look rough around the edges and it's fairly likely that they are in other words don't talk to the guy in 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 the expensive suit necessarily it's fairly likely that you can find some gun owners by doing some profiling after mass like uh guys who look like they 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 work for a living uh, uh, are 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 good might be good resources hey look i'm thinking about getting a gun do you know anything about that just ask at coffee hour but you also probably know gun owners and talk to them, and like I said, be be around men who are your equals or your betters, with, you know, vis-a-vis -vis guns, and just talk to them, get familiar with it, find ranges, ask people who have a lot of property if you can use, if you can test out some guns and get to get to know them in their backyards. Um, yeah, I mean, I ask think that's them the, if they'll take you to the gun show, and you will get, uh, <laughs> you'll get, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, but uh, yeah, I mean, getting and 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 you will be amazed. It's it's uh, especially in in sort of formal settings like ranges and gun shops, uh, you will you will find that you are not going to be discomfited. You're going to feel very comfortable and very safe. Um, if you're anything like me, going from sort of anti-gun or uncomfortable around guns to pro to very enthusiastic about guns, you're probably going to experience that switching point where you say, "I actually feel safer the more guns are around." Uh, even in other men's hands. Um, first time I went to Dallas-Fort Worth, at one point I stopped on a street corner, looked around, and I saw seven people in sight open carrying. And I said, this makes me feel safe. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's a new, it's a very strange experience if you do not think that way at all, but you probably will experience that shift where you say, oh, this is about caring for vulnerable people. This is about defending uh, the innocent. It's about love. Uh, it's not about, uh, you know, some sort of aggressive hooah, you know, chest-thumping, uh, macho thing. So the people that think that tend to not have much experience around guns, you know, the yeah. hooah hoo crowd. It's, yep. it's, it's a love thing. It really is. It's, yeah. it's a duty, a love, 
and a uh, extension of the broader Christian family thing. You know, I want to protect all innocents. Yeah, that's right. It, it, yeah, and, and, and it's funny, too. There, there is, a, I mean, this is superficial and anecdotal, but there is a huge overlap as well between good, clean livers, Christians, and gun owners. Uh, when you go to the range and talk to these people, uh, a lot of them are, are just really good, solid family men. So, did you mean good, clean livers? As in, like, people because they stopped drinking. drinking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or did you mean those who live good and clean? Because honestly, the first place my mind was, my mind went was like, yeah, they must not drink at all. That liver is that pristine. <laughs> it completes the circle with your earlier point. <laughs> good, clean good. But really, uh, if you inspected this liver under a microscope, it would be healthy. Not a hint of cirrhosis, or even. Jaundice. <laughs> you can't live without the liver. That's why they call it that. So yeah, a, a good liver makes you a good liver. Stephen, <laughs> yeah. Stephen, you're a good liver, man. You're a good thank liver. You. I'm sure, you've got a good liver, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. You're a bro. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, everyone out there. Uh, please click like. Click subscribe we don't bother you with this throughout the entire thing see to if you want to our patreon accounts and for for my end um if you're interested in rolling classes i have three up now hit enroll at timothyjgordon.com and if you're still feeling sorry for me little old me because i lost my job on june 3rd it's not that old a news story yet uh you can go to timothyjgordon.com and hit donate um we really appreciate it and uh, go get guns and train up and be safe. And um, that's it. We, we, God bless America. Thank you. Retrogrades. Peace. Peace.